What's up, all you beautiful people? It's your boy Hobart coming to you from Oakland, California. Happy New Year, everyone. Ten days into 2022, we made it. Um, yeah, we here now. <laughs> oh, man. Winter winter definitely gets harder the older you get. I, I feel that for sure. Um, even though I live in California and we don't really have real winter yeah, i'm sure my midwestern and arctic friends are shaking their fists at me right now but there's just so much uh churning and learning and heaviness and we need to laugh i think that's one thing one one lesson out of this podcast is that it's humor what what did joy say what did she send me she said Humor is spiritual, I think. Laughter is spiritual. There you go. Laughter is spiritual. Maybe that's the the name of the podcast episode. We'll see. But uh yeah. I hope y'all had a nice New Year's and that you're staying healthy. I know that this this homicron is is uh, you know, really making the rounds. I'm just, just getting over it myself. I'm I got the now I got the triple crown of covid i've had alpha delta and omicron and uh still going strong so for my friends who are feeling the fear around it know that there is a you know there is a a bright side of it as well i guess if that if one can even say that's a bright side i don't know maybe people will get mad at me for saying that but i mean it all with love and uh i think you're gonna be okay we're, we're all gonna get through this together and uh just just glad I can still breathe and do my exercises and stuff um and talk into this microphone which also takes takes uh breath capacity uh but yeah I'm feeling pretty good start of the week start of the year diving into projects looking at all the stuff uh post grundle tide and getting back into the swing of things which in itself might might take some time. <laughs> but uh, for today, for this first podcast of 2022, I got a special guest for you today, folks. Um, my guest today is a woman that I met on my travels in Costa Rica last October. Uh, and right from the start, I just felt such a good connection to this person. Just, you know, when you're, when you're out there in the world, you know, every now and then you come across a character and you just feel that, uh, that just connection, that bond of, of a, of a homie in the making. And, uh, I certainly felt that with joy. She's just a, a bundle of sunshine and, uh, very easy to talk to, I think, we easy, this easily could have been a three-hour podcast um, if the uh, if the you know if the deep state didn't shut us down ninety minutes in. Uh, that, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Um, but uh, but yeah, we 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 had a solid ninety minutes today of of great conversation, and uh, I really liked this one because I think that uh, you know a lot of times. You know, when I get when I jump into a podcast, and I probably could work on being better prepared, doing more research, yada yada yada. But I also like that kind of raw, 
coming in just with the thoughts of carrying around in my head type of mentality. Um, and that's kind of, and that's what I did today. Uh, but sometimes when you jump in with someone, you know, and, and you're not sure what you're going to talk about, you know, I'll, I find myself often just sinking into a interviewer interviewee dynamic, which is definitely super valid and cool. Um, and I think is an important part of my role as a host on this show. Uh, but, but at times that can feel like a crutch and, so, you know, in the interests of honing my craft and getting better at this art forum and, and continuing to try to uh, develop, you know, part of it is looking at that, uh, at those patterns. And um, so today I was really stoked, actually, because I, I, I kind of felt myself sinking into a bit of that interview dynamic. But um, joy was such a joy to talk to. I, I feel like this really has more of a flavor of a conversation that's that's going back and forth and meandering and you know we we don't have, there's not maybe a clear theme maybe there is you can decide for yourself but uh but it really felt like one of those podcasts that I love where it's like people friends just like hanging and you're just getting to kind of fly on the wall sink into their conversation and uh and hopefully there's some good food for thought some good organic grass fed non-GMO food for thought for you out there. Um, a bit about my guest. Her name is Joy Billette. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. I think I am. Unless she says otherwise. Um, she's originally from Canada, but now is living down in Costa Rica. And I will explain on the episode how we met. Uh, but, you know, short answer, I met her traveling, bumped into her at a cafe, and we just... Uh, started chopping it up and she just had all these cool uh, clothing items that that the like the wait staff at the restaurant were trying on and we started chatting and found out that she has her own apparel line in which she upcycles clothes and is really like is committed to making fashion that that doesn't drain or create more waste or you know repurposing stuff which totally speaks to my hippie heart and, um, you know, she's, uh, she's also, in addition to, to having this awesome, uh, apparel company, which is called the, the Velvet Arsenal, the Velvet Arsenal. Um, she's also an empowerment coach, she, uh, you know, working with, with a lot of women, helping them find their power and, uh, develop, you know, their spiritual practice and healthy balance in their life. Um, she's a yoga teacher and a breathwork teacher and a lover of nature and just a, just a real genuine sunshiny soul. Um, I really felt that talking to her, uh, both in person and on this podcast. Uh, and, and we do, we kind of get into a bunch of different subjects, you know, we're talking about a lot of philosophy and critiques of capitalism and critiques of anti-capitalism and um, the importance of humor, even dark humor, uh, and and above all, you know, compassion and kindness with yourself and with others. And so, you know, we, we kind of solve all the problems and, uh, you know, really designed this to be a manual, a uh, spiritual guide of sorts, you know, to, to help you break out of whatever mental prison you're trapped in 
Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. So again, I, I had a blast. Uh, really, really, mucho, mucho thanks to Joy for giving me her time and coming on. Super cool to hear her philosophy when it comes to to coaching. We 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 didn't go as deep into that. Um, I think maybe there, there's another episode in the making where we'll explore that because I do want to have that conversation as well. But we um we definitely jump into some tasty topics and um I hope I hope you guys enjoy it. This is another video podcast too, so I should say this will be up on the Bartcast YouTube channel. Um so if you want to see uh our faces while we're talking, you can jump on there and watch it. And um I one one more note I will say Ha, you know, in the middle of the episode, I was trying to dig, we started talking about fashion and I was trying to find this old hat and I went into, uh, this cupboard underneath my couch and I was digging around and I pulled something out and a this big old like metal bolt just whacked me right in the nose and I started, uh, bleeding and I wasn't aware. So, you know, right on video, you get all the gory details. And now I can say that I, pl- I put some blood in this bitch. I got blood invested in this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And so, you know, you know, you know that I'm in it. I- I've put my blood in this blood on the track. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's pretty good for an intro, I think. And uh, so without further ado, let me introduce to you. Miss Joy Bellette on this episode 44 of the Bartcast. Great to hear from you. What a surprise. Rock. Ready Super to ready to rock for all. Rumble in the jungle. <laughs> That's where I am. How are you doing today? How's life in Costa Rica? Oh my goodness, it's so good. Um, I met you on the Caribbean side, but I've been on the Pacific for a couple weeks now. It's soaking up some sunsets and. Yeah, where are you right now? Life for, is good. For people that might be wondering. I am in Hermosa, Punta Arenas province of Costa Rica, uh, just outside of a little town called Jaco, which is like really what drew me into Costa Rica many years ago to begin with. And uh, I've, now I've lived kind of all over this beautiful little country and um, not quite sure where where I'm settling into. I'm, I'm sort of just... Uh, I'm just a bit nomadic at this moment, so feels good though. Feels good. The digital. Where are nomad. you? I'm here nomad. in the beautiful city of Oakland. It's today was exquisitely nice for a uh, for a winter time January day. Yes. The sun is out and lots of light in mm-hmm. this room of mine. So yeah, um, yeah, life is good. I'm wearing my Puerto Thank Viejo shirt, though, in solidarity. <laughs> and I'm wearing my Oakland. Yeah. That's a nice, Whee! <laughs> happy, uh, happy accident or whatever. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, 
That's awesome. Yeah. I like how that lined up. Serendipity. Yeah, I know, right? And actually, both of these tattoos I got in Oakland, too. Get out. So. And, I, and I got mine yeah. in Costa Rica, so we got a little yin and a yang <laughs> thing yeah. going here. I don't think I had this when, I love we, it. when we met. I got this on, like, the no. last day. Oh, my God. It's so cool. And, uh, trying to show, show it to Let's see. Oh, I love it. Okay, so that's, like, you know, a labyrinth. It's the a labyrinth of life. It's the solar system, and these are the... This is the alignment of the planets at the moment I was born. Whoa! So I found uh, I found this artist in San Jose in Costa Rica, and uh, I ended up going on the NASA site and looked like there's like this planet <laughs> plotter where you can, if you know the moment you were born, you can plug in the time, and it'll track back all the orbits to where the planets all were Whoa. Um, at the moment Whoa. Of, of birth. So. Thought that'd be a cool oh. thing to personalize it. It's kind of. This is the sun. It's got some galactic tendencies as well. I'm all, I'm all about those. <laughs> got my moon. Oh, look at you. Moon over here. Man, I. Moon over here to balance her out. That's awesome. That's. I totally have been thinking about that very concept of like the masculine right side with the sun and the feminine left side with the moon. Yep. And, that's exactly it. That's why this is like under my breast. This is on my shoulder for the strength and the softness. Oh, yeah. And just that like beautiful balance of things like within ourselves in relation and then also just within ourselves, you know. Mm -hmm. I was having, having a conversation with a friend today about how I'm so good at flowing and being in my feminine. But the, the, the masculine side where like that container comes in, the structure comes in is a lot more challenging for me. So... But that can be, you know, it can be any way for anyone. It could be more easy for you to flow and more as well and, like, be more in your feminine. It's not like a, these concepts are, are, you know, conceptual. It's like the masculine and feminine doesn't uh, necessarily have to, like, subscribe to the things that we've understood them as for all of our lives, you know? Totally. Yeah, I, I feel like those... I've been playing around with those archetypes in my mind a lot lately. I just read, uh, have you ever heard of David Data? Daida? He wrote this book called The Way no. of the Superior Man. That uh, really like fascinating book that's, that's kind of centered around like understanding the, the masculine essence versus the feminine essence and how those uh, two forces like create what he describes as like the polarity and, and like attraction uh -huh. and courtship and um, that there are these like traditional archetypes that are really present in, in people and I think that uh, you know one of the great questions in any man or woman's life is like what does it mean to be a man or what does it mean to be a woman and how do I relate to that uh that set of, of symbols and structures. And I've been definitely asking myself that question a lot lately. And it's just a in, really interesting kind of, uh, I want to say it's like a spiritual guide. Cause I think a lot of the, his ideas uh -huh. are based in Buddhism, but there is this, mm -hmm. um, there is like this deep honoring of the things that make people masculine or feminine. Like he talks about, it, it's not like, necessarily to do with biology although it does tend to line up pretty uh pretty often in the, along those lines uh i think he said like 80 percent of people who are like like identify as like masculine 
essence versus feminine dominant essence and then that there's like this polarity where you're attracted to the opposite and so it's just Mm -hmm. looking at ways that it's almost like when you enter into a courtship with someone there are these like roles that are kind of um there's something almost primal about it but they've also been developed culturally Mm -hmm. over thousands of years and you know, we tend to think of the extremes like the super masculine man who's all macho and beating people up and fighting wars. Machismo. Yeah. <laughs> or the super feminine, delicate woman, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's this really yeah. nuanced and poetic view of those dynamics and that like performing the masculine role can be something as simple as like the tone of voice you use or the the way mm. that you're structuring your words or the way that you're communicating and um, it's been, you know, I just went through this like, uh, you know, kind of quick romance heartbreak thing like a couple weeks ago. And yeah, I was fi- looking for like some guidance and it definitely had uh, the, the words really hit home and they're really interesting. So kind of yeah, relevant that's to what beautiful. you're talking about, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing too is that it's not always like so concrete within within the individual it can be in flux you know and like you're saying like 80 percent oh this book says you know 80 percent of people you know are sort of in their stereotypical archetype but that leaves 20 percent of people to kind of fluctuate Mm -hmm. and i think that's something that is important for the feminine to understand and like women or those who uh identify as like the that we're in such a patriarchal society that it really is pushing women into like a, a, a masculine role in this like hustle culture, boss babe, yeah. all this stuff. I'm super pro that I want all the <laughs> women to make all the money, but like pay attention to if that's putting you in your masculine or if when you come home to your partner, you're in that masculine role and you're not allowing him to be in that, you know, in a stereotypical, in a, in a heterosexual uh, relationship. But yeah. like, if you want your, if you want like a masculine container held for you and your feminine, then you have to be in your feminine, right. you know, and likewise, vice versa. And I've seen some women who are super in their masculine, you know, attract males that are more in their feminine, but they, you know, want a more like dominant man. It's like, well, you have to step back and like kind of let that go right. at least when you come home, you know? Yeah. And also <laughs> maybe that's who you got to be at work. Right. But And I think also just to really honor the feminine as well i think like like you just communicated in this culture i do see a lot of my female friends feeling this societal pressure to take on a more masculine role when they're thinking about things like their their career or their the life they're trying to build Mm -hmm. and you know i i think that can be really cathartic and beautiful for a lot of people to experience that but i think i also see a lot of us kind of it's like in striving for that, we're losing sight of the fact that like the feminine is like super cool as well. And for people that just want to live in that realm, you know, we should really be supporting that as well because there's nothing Mm -hmm. more beautiful than like a feminine activated individual. You know, I I think that's like, right. And, and like the feminine essence is like the qualities of the feminine are like creativity and freedom and, and flow, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And like, as a man, you want those aspects too. As a woman, I want those aspects. We want to encourage that. And being down here in Costa Rica, I feel like it just allows more of that. I think that the land here 
feels like a feminine, like a divine feminine essence that we get to be a part of. And it kind of lets you flow more. It kind of lets you explore more and be more free. And, you know, men and women can, can both uh, take so much from that, from that freedom. And I think when we tap into the earth and when we can tap into Pachamama more, that those essences come through in a, in a more beautiful way, you know, like we've been inundated with the, with the masculine, with the structure, with all of that for all of our lives. So maybe it's bringing the feminine back into balance that can really help us rehabilitate the world and rehabilitate ourselves at this, at this juncture <laughs> in time, this wild time oh, yeah. that we're navigating, right? Totally. Like what is all no, this? No, I, I think that's <laughs> spot on when I, when I was, you know, when I met you, when I was traveling down there, I was definitely feeling. I mean, you go to a place like Costa Rica and the whole land, like, it feels like the whole land is embracing you. You know, everything's everything's mm. right in that little Goldilocks zone and there's fruit everywhere <laughs> yeah. and you're, there's mist in your face uh, and you're just breathing in this fresh yeah. air and the food's so delicious. I, I definitely uh, felt, you know, the, the womb metaphor really applied to my experience and um, as well, which which I think it kind of naturally being in that in- environment brought out some of my masculine aspects. Like I was wanting to go out and like climb the mountain or, you know, like build the wall or yes. build the structure. Yes. You know, like, <laughs> no, not walls. Yeah, right. I know that's become. <laughs> no, sometimes build the, the rock, the stone wall to keep the sheep in, you know. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> just these kind of primal like, instincts of like chop wood and carry water. That's kind of what I like to, mm, like, oh, to describe it as. It's like that's that, medicine. That, like, kind of mm. masculine urge to to like use your hands and your body to to build something, to create something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's funny because even when I use the word like build or create, there's so many obvious like feminine connotations with that. So I think that. Mm-hmm. You know, that is kind of like where the bridge or the juncture enters, of, you know, the creative kind of feminine flow world that you described in this kind of like mac- masculine, directional, linear kind of uh, intention as well. And, and you know, we're all trying mm-hmm. to find our own balance of, of how those forces intermingle and uh, totally to themselves and. Um, I think that's a great segue into, you know, well, well, one of the reasons I wanted to ask you on today, which was to talk about <laughs> the Velvet Arsenal, <laughs> um, which was pretty cool. I just want to give a quick little background, you know, to our co-biography, which was, you know, I'll, I'll tell it from my side, then you can tell it from your side. Um, but okay. uh, I think I was like maybe two two weeks, two and a half weeks into my Costa Rica voyage. I had done a two-week yoga retreat in Arenal, and then uh, I made friends with this super badass German woman named Lisa, who was like six months pregnant and traveling solo. Oh yeah! And I was like, "Who is this woman? She's like super fierce and just Amazing. on her path." Right. And like, and so we just became friends, and, and we decided to, uh, you know, she had a rental car, so she invited me to join her just a voyage to the Caribbean side, which I wasn't even planning on doing. I was going to stay on the Pacific side. And, uh, you know, when I, when I travel, I like to just say yes to, to adventure and decided to make that turn. The flow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, so we ended up in Puerto Viejo. We found this beautiful spot in Cahuita, which is just, just North of there or yeah, just North of there. And, uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm not a vegan. I don't, I, I, I love meat, but like traveling with a vegan, <laughs> you're going to eat vegan. Cause you know, she was, she's like, that's what yes. she was looking for. And I was just, you know, I love going with the flow when I'm traveling. So I'm like, sure. Like you want to go to this restaurant? Like, why not? I'll come eat something that I haven't had before. And the food was delicious. It was amazing. <laughs> and, uh, we were just sitting there looking at the water and eating. And then I think you guys came and sat at the table next to us. And I remember uh-huh. just seeing you guys had such a little like entourage going. I could tell there was like, the, you know, when you're, tra- <laughs> That's our when you're traveling, you have like traveler culture, you know, you get the people with the beads and the piercings and the tats and, the rolling, the rolling tobacco, the rolling cigarettes. And, yeah, and then right. I started, I, I was like, who's this girl just starts pulling clothes out of this bag and like laying them out. And I'm like watching the, uh, I'm watching the different, um, like the, the waiters and waitresses come by and they're like looking at what you got. And there was one in particular that I kind of had a crush on. I thought she was super beautiful. So she came over. So I really paid attention then. And then, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And so then, but then we just started talking and, uh, kind of, you, you told me a little bit about your store and what you're doing, but I just, I love the energy you were conveying and the, um, openness to connect <laughs> well, thank you. and, um, yeah. So I was like, so here we go. We connected, we exchanged information. Here we are. I don't know what your experience was like on the other side, if you want to share it or. So I love, I love talking to people. It's like, it's like something my dad would do all this when I was a kid and I'd be so embarrassed. He'd just like talk to random people. Now I am my father, like talking to everybody everywhere I go. And, uh, yeah. So I, I just like looked over, you know, sometimes, sometimes you're in your own world and sometimes you like make eye contact with someone and you want to connect. So I look over at you guys, you seem super cool. You were with your friend and yeah, that, that spot Grow is super dope. It's our hangout in, in PV, and they have the best vegan cappuccino I ever had. <laughs> Shout out, Grow. And so I can't even remember what I was doing that day, why I had all those clothes. I think someone had asked me to bring something for them to take a look, but I've ended up with my clothes sprawled out over that place so many times. And uh, so what I do, what I do is um, I, 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 I upcycle use clothing because I love clothes. I love style. It's a very important part of my identity. It's an important part of how I present myself and how I encourage others to look at the way they dress as an art form if they choose to. But it always bothered me that fashion really takes like a big impact on the environment. It makes a big impact on the environment. So, um, I went from being someone who was very involved in the fashion industry when I was in Vancouver when I lived there many moons ago, a decade ago, um, and then I just kind of put it on the back burner, even though it was something that I cared deeply about. I didn't, I didn't have any desire, shall we say, to like get involved in the fashion industry on the terms that, you know, that uh, how it is how, as it is. Yeah, the status quo, and then. About three years ago, I was working at a brewery on the Pacific side of Costa Rica in Hako, close to where I am now. And the owner of that of that brewery said, do you want to run a workshop? And I said, of course. Yes, of course I want to run a workshop. And then I went home and I thought, the hell am I going to run a workshop on? <laughs> okay, like, I got to think of something real quick. And then I looked, uh, I thought about it. And I'm like, man, all I do is cut my clothes up. I just can't stand it when anyone has the same clothes as me. I've been using bleach and scissors and all this kind of stuff for a while. I'll run a workshop and teach people how to like upcycle the things they already have, turn them into something cool so they can repurpose their own clothes. 
So I went to the city, San Jose. I went to what they call Ropa Americanas here, which is, just means American clothes, literally, because when they get things from the thrift store, are all coming from the north. I found things in San Jose, these thrift stores from my hometown of Windsor, Ontario. I found things from North Dakota. I found things from all over the I'm states in America. And you'll just go into like a Raider pile. Uh, from Oakland, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Yep. And and hell yeah. Actually, I'm so I was so sad when they got sold I know, to I, I'm, Vegas. I still but, think of it as an Oakland you know, thing, but I, I know they're in Las Vegas. Now. <laughs> totally. I totally I, like. I had this. Since They'll be I, back. They, were they went Vegas. to LA and, went and came back to back. see them. They always come crawling back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that. I believe. <laughs> I fully believe it. I support you, Oakland. I love you. I've done some things in Oakland that I can't talk about here. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's I there's know. no uh, we don't have a rating system here. Yeah, you're there's you no can limits. Say whatever you want. Doing working in some labs, okay. doing extractions there you of go. certain types of oils and <laughs> well, yeah, you know, oils are Those oils are largely legal here for the most part. I would say. Okay, that's great. That's great. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I could talk about so many things in regards to California, yeah. but I won't stay on topic here. So, um, anyway, I started, I started, I came up with, like, 15 pieces of clothing, just cutting them in different ways so that I could show people, like, examples of what to do. And it turned into my first pop-up. My friends were like, why don't you do this? Like, this, this could be a thing. And um, so I did. And that was about three years ago now, maybe three and a half years ago. And I sort of been ups and downs with the velvet arsenal as a creative project going into like this is my business coming back into this is just my art i don't want it to be my business and you know kind of putting it on the back burner when i went back to canada and then getting sidelined on my idea of bartending my way to my savings goals and then coming back to costa rica and then i couldn't bartend anymore because the pandemic and then the velvet arsenal came back and and here we are i'm I'm here in Costa Rica. I just did a couple pop-ups over the holiday season, and I'm sort of in the place now where I feel like I want to change it up again. I've just sort of, like, dismantled my my online store, and I want to start to create pieces that are more, like, real art-based. And, and instead of making, like, 30 T-shirts, make, like, six and mm. make them, like, super, super dope, you know? That's kind of where I'm at now. But what I... <laughs> yeah okay how do we do this <laughs> my i don't know my friends have said you need to velvet arsenal needs to make nfts and i'm like what how that do you make clothing cool into nfts doing, right? <laughs> yeah. i don't fucking know how i know to my cousin just uh <laughs> for my out. christmas pre- present i got him a christmas gift and he like freaked out and was like i didn't get you anything don't get me a gift like he had this whole thing me and my brother were like whoa this is really like cut deep for him like the fact that we got him a gift and he he felt almost betrayed because we had gotten him one and he didn't have one for us so i was like dude if it <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah. you know if it, instead of buying me something like you're tech savvy like make me an nft and that could be the christmas gift and so during the christmas break he made me uh, well he set up my account and everything like that so i have three nfts uh that are related to this podcast that i will be minting and putting out there and we're, we're going to try to figure out how you know it's all a creative that. process it's all fun but uh but it's 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is something that I think also there's a lot of people that are like, oh, NFTs, like crypto, you know, all these words that <laughs> content creators like to say a lot. But like, yeah. most people are just like, I don't know what that is. And, and I won't know until it becomes like an app on my phone. And it's like synonymous with the way that we live our life. But right. Um, but I wanted to ask you, like, where, think- like, what is the Velvet Arsenal? Where'd you get that name? What, what's that name all about? Okay, so, well, it originally was a blog that I had, like, ages ago, probably probably seven, eight, eight, nine years ago, and um, it just started with my style, like, posts of my style mixed with articles on bands that I loved. At that moment, I was super into, like, uh, like psychedelic rock and, 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 and some indie rock and stuff like that. Um, and I would make posts about bands that I liked and my style. And I sat down and I was like, okay, velvet's my favorite fabric. What is a cool word that goes with this? So I like took all these words that I really liked and I wrote them down on paper and I was like back and forth, back and forth. And then I hit arsenal and I was like, whoa, because like your style yeah. Yeah. is your weaponry, right? That, yeah, and that makes it made all the sense for me. So I was kind of, sort of carrying that in my back pocket, still had my blog like in existence on the interweb somewhere. Um, and my friend just said to me after like my first pop up, she said, What are you going to call it? And boom, it just came right back to me. I'm like, The Velvet That's dope. Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds dope as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. And so, and I have a light. My lightning bolt is my is my is my logo, so it's very like. Bam. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those names that sounds like it, it like sounds like a name out the gate, which is kind of what you want. Like it already sounds like it's yeah, a thing. Yeah, I mean it is a thing clearly, but I'm just saying like sometimes you have a name and you kind of got to say it a thousand times before it like means anything. But I feel like the Velvet Arsenal, you could say yeah, that to me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds like something. that sounds like something and then I had this cool moment on New Year's Eve and I was like on mushrooms at this dance at this ecstatic dance dancing around and I like closed my eyes and I could literally see like this like the medicine just showed me like all that every single person had like a lightning bolt like connecting to them to the universe and I was like whoa we're all (laughs) lightning bolts exactly (laughs) Yeah, we are right. We have this like life in us, so this life mm-hmm. force, our prana, this huge ability to create and to just the harness energy, even with our breath, you know. So all of these little lightning bolts inside of us that have the ability to do whatever the and hell we on want. On the t- celestial scale and, um, of time, our lives are but flashes of lightning, anyways. So yeah, so fast, man. Right. <laughs> just trying I to guess find also some I just thought of something like you're dealing with fabric, right? Velvet arsenal, lightning bolt. A, isn't mm-hmm. a bolt like a roll of cloth? Uh-huh. So Whoa, you're right. You know, That's so good. Maybe I don't know if you already have this, but to me I'm yes. seeing like a flag with a velvet lightning bolt, you know, in the middle. I think you need to make a velvet bolt. Oh wow. Yeah. I think I have to make this, actually. I can I can find someone to do this for me. <laughs> Luckily, we have this. Yeah. It's being this, recorded. This is, uh, <laughs> this so I won't forget. I won't in, forget. In the inf- infinite now. We're, we're, uh, 
We're, we're going right? to be in a digital. We're going to be in a server somewhere for the the till the end of Western civilization. I know it's so weird. Yep. <laughs> Which could come at any point in time at this, at this time. <laughs> so know, okay, right? so you had the you had this pop up. I'm guessing the so, pop up was a success. Was this in Costa Rica or in in Canada? So I had, I mean, I've had a million pop ups. That I made mm-hmm. one at Grow where we went, and uh, the, this is the funniest thing. So I get there in the morning. I'm like at. Arrange with everybody, okay, I'm going to come out and have a pop-up and making clothes for days. Here I am, like, up all night, ready with my clothes. And I was meant to tie uh, all the this bamboo piece in between these two palm trees that would be a perfect little rack for clothing. And I get there that day on a new moon, and the <laughs> ocean is raging. <laughs> it's raging. It's like, nope, you're not going to have a pop-up right here today. So I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? My friends show up. We start collecting driftwood and like literally just making a structure that we can hang the clothes on and uh it it turned into this beautiful beautiful piece of of art that looked like a pirate ship and but damn i had like Mm -hmm. an hour where i was hella stressed i was like yo and the ocean's trying to take back all my that's often where like (laughs) the innovation comes from right is like those crisis moments and Uh you have your little freak out but then Totally. Being able to find the creative solution, a lot of times that's what gives us the gold, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. That was my lesson for that day. It was like, stop freaking out, you know? Like, you have to just roll with this. And so I so I did. Oh, there was just a bee <laughs> nice. on my leg. That was cool. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, yes, yes, find the solution. <laughs> um, and then so after that, I came to Hot Go. I had a pop-up here very established market at the old brewery that I worked with. And then I went up to Nosada and I had a, a really cool pop-up at a, a festival. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just kind of show up and I bring, I can't travel light anywhere I go anymore. I've got a huge bag where I've got half of my clothes and half the velvet arsenal, but it's okay. I'm not a backpacker anymore. I live here. So, um, yeah, working on, um, taking what the velvet arsenal has taught me and turning it into new business ideas so one thing that i'm doing right now is i'm doing a women's empowerment course so i'm like an online coach and i bring style into that as part of like who we are your style can empower you like i said it doesn't have to you can just wear your whatever you want and be happy about it but if you want to if you choose to style can be a great method of expressing yourself and making yourself feel awesome Mm-hmm. So for me, that's what it does. And uh, so I've been on this road. I've created a program called You Are a Badass, which is a, an, an eight-week empowerment journey going through all. Actually, I talk about the masculine and feminine and how those dynamics kind of serve us and understanding them better, seeing what your wounded masculine and your wounded feminine look like, and then going into um, everything from like affirmation work, all kinds of meditation, and then eventually having a one-on-one styling program. Uh, styling call with me and and that is so much fun when people are like okay here's all my clothes what do I do with all this and I'm like I'll have (laughs) have some ideas for you (laughs) mix that crazy piece with that crazy piece I sense a little uh, reality (laughs) show in the morning you could do like the like the style coach you know you do like what if you just got to do that that. all the time (laughs) and you just honey let's bring out you know (laughs) 
would love that. I would you love that. You have to lean into your like, flamboyancy. Oh, that could be my dreams just, coming you know, true. Totally. Talk about the spirituality of oh, style. Because that's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> like some people have to convince about it, but some people will just totally get it. They're going to be like, oh my God, yes, yes. Yeah. Like I feel that. I feel like the universe and the creator just like telling me to be. I mean, <laughs> I remember <laughs> like, I think it was in my early 20s. Uh, cause you know, growing up, you know, single mom food stamps, you know, we were on financial aid. We, my clothes were like mm-hmm. all hand-me-downs growing up. So nothing ever fit, you know, mm-hmm. our style was kind of like vaguely basketball influenced when we could get like warm ups and shorts. Yeah. Um, but, but a lot of our clothes were like hand-me-downs <laughs> from other people in the community. And I remember like in my early twenties, you know, I went through like, you know, the baggy, baggy clothes in high school. I'm looking back at the pictures of the pants I used to wear. Yeah. So funny. But like uh, in my in my early 20s, when I started like actually like going on dates and trying to dress up nice, I remember <laughs> I found this. There's this great <laughs> store. Maybe you've been <laughs> uh, been to, to one. It's called Crossroads <laughs> that we have here in the Bay Area. It's, it's up and down California. I love that. Yes. I've been buying my clothes there for a decade and. I found that spot and mm-hmm. suddenly it was like, oh, like I do have a style. Like I kind of know, I started to know what I was looking for, what I wanted to put together. I remember when I was 22, I, I call it the year of the coat because I started wearing coats. Like I fell in love with coats, <laughs> like a nice coat, you know, is like what? so dope. Wait, not really. Like I would wear that? a lot of sweatshirts, you know, I was a big sweatshirt guy, <laughs> but like. Okay, I suddenly okay. I had my my buddy gave me whoa, his uh, his grandpa's like World War Two Navy this like Navy blue uh, blazer, and I would just go out in San Francisco and like rock that with like a Volcom shirt <laughs> underneath and like and then I had like a, and, like baggy jeans and then I had like a, a, when I was living in Santa Cruz like the year before I was helping my friends clean out their house and I found this like super dope like Indiana Jones style hat. Actually, let me see it. I'm actually, I think I'm sitting on top of it. Oh my God, yes. See if I can pull it out. Oh my God, the year oh of yeah, the coat. So I love yeah. this. <laughs> this is just too perfect. All right. I hope it's in there. <laughs> Here we A go. man of many so, hats. This puppy. <laughs> I found this, uh, and for all of you uh, listening, I'll try to paint a word picture for the audio-only folks. Um, I found this hat just just okay. like this, crumpled up like under uh, a chair. And I, I went. There was 13 people living at this house. I went to everybody and I was like, "Hey, do you know who's? Is this your hat? Is this your hat?" And then. Finally, after asking like 10 of them, my buddy was like, "Hey, dude, I think it's your hat," and. Uh, so like ah. I this ended up being my hat that I rocked for a good I don't know for years you know and I so if you it. picture I, I was like wearing wear this with the blue blazer and the Volcom shirt and I'd go out go out in this hat <laughs> and I mean not to toot my own horn but I started wearing that and then the next year I was going to SF State the next year that I saw like three or four other dudes with the same you know similar hats so. 
I feel like I kind of started a trend, you know? Trendsetter. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, this became I my travel hat. Like, I've taken this to, like, probably 10 different countries. It's got dust from Masada. It's very important right? that you can crumple some, it up. Yeah, yeah. You got to be able to crumple it up, put it in your bag, and take got it out. Got some signatures on the brim of important. some of my favorite musicians <laughs> when I went and, you know, met, okay. met some idols or wow. whatever. Um, but all that being said... Uh, it was really empowering for me as, oh, wow. I cut my knee. I, I was, know, I saw that. What happened? It's funny, I'm bleeding on the podcast. She's got a, a your yeah, bridge so of your I, nose is bleeding. Um, <laughs> when I was just digging out the hat, I like, guess I pulled something up and this like metal bolt hit me in the face. Well, I'm do, doing oh, it damn. for the cause, baby. This is Literally the first blood, blood that's been shed on this podcast. <laughs> Um, it's great. I'm doing to another witness. video episode this week, so this is just perfect. But hopefully, it's not too grotesque great. for you guys out there. Uh, I bleed this shit. I bleed this shit, bro. I think bro. it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, bleed it. This is yeah. Real. So, but yeah, but just getting back to what you were saying, like, like that is a. It was like a empowering moment where I was like, okay, like I'm a young man. I want to start looking nice. I see how like the girls that I'm talking yeah. to respond when I'm like dressed up yeah. in, with style and uh totally when you just like yeah. show that you care about yourself you know or like that you have like something interesting going on and like the way that you perceive yourself and like I, I like that you were saying going, you know when you were growing up like my parents we didn't we didn't have a lot of money either so we would get a lot of hand-me-downs as well and uh I remember when I was a kid being kind of embarrassed by that for sure and it's so funny now that I'm grown up, it's like the only thing I wear is, is, is thrifted clothes. And so I'm wondering if you, like me, have <clears throat> a favorite outfit that you inherited. Because I remember for me, at, like I went through a phase where I was super tomboy and I had like baseball cards and hockey cards and, and basketball cards and I would just collect everything. And I, all I wanted was like brand name sneakers and tracksuits. And I inherited a Nike tracksuit from my friend's mom's friend's kids. And it was just priceless to me. Oh, yeah. It was purple. Just like, I loved it. I loved it so much. And it was a prized possession of mine. So did you have anything that you inherited from, from someone else that you just fell question. in love with? Um, Piece of clothing? Piece of clothing that meant a lot to you? I mean, there was a bunch of... I had. Yeah, the hat, hat, definitely counts. the hat. I mean, that was a, a, a hand-me-down for sure from my friend. Um, the only the other thing that comes to mind was, I remember when we were, like, you know, when my, my, when my pops, my mom and my dad divorced and my dad moved out. Um, I probably told this story before on the podcast, or not from this angle, but, but this general story. Uh you know, my mom was like in her thirties and late thirties and, you know, it was an abusive relationship and she really felt like she like had lost out on the freedom of, of being a 20 something. Cause she was 18 when she got together with my dad. So like her late thirties was like mm -hmm. her opportunity to kind of let her hair down and go get to experience that life. And so she fell in with this mm -hmm. group of like young, you know, mid 20 year old, you know, valley hippie guys uh, in our community <laughs> that were all super awesome. 
big role models for me and my brother. And uh, the whole scene was mm. kind of based around this house called the Red House. And it was like a famous hippie commune in the 60s. And then, um, you know, at this point in the 90s, it had become just like the matriarch still lived there. I had her on my episode, one of the coolest episodes. Her name's cool. Marsha Thelen. Her and her husband had the first head shop on Hate Street. Wow. And she just, she's like one of the most. So dope. She's my adopted hippie grandmother. She's just one of the most amazing people I've ever met. But uh-huh. so it was like her and then her, uh, her daughter, Kira, had a, a boy who was my age, who was like my first friend because Kira's husband was a bass player who played in my dad's band. And so our families were already uh, you know, connected. And then, um, Kira's younger brother, Jasper and Ace, she had two, you know, two brothers and they would have these hippie parties at this house. And it was always like multi-generational potluck, you know, all ages running around the, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. the 20 somethings are partying, the kids are partying, you know, and, and every, every, uh, October, yeah, every fall, I think it was usually in October, they'd have what's called the Harvest Classic, which was like this big party with potluck, um, and there'd be like a ping pong tournament, and there'd be uh, like, you know, all the local <laughs> growers would like rate their weed and share their weed, and then... I love and then, <laughs> Exactly. The and then, uh, but then the other thing was that there was always a clothing swap, so like... You would bring your your clothes oh and then there'd God. be racks all in the living room and you'd put it on racks with like a tag that had your name. And then it was really clever, like a devious strategy because the only way, like if you saw something that you liked, you had to go search the party for the name. Like they didn't like make it easy. So you had to go talk to a bunch of people, like kind of enforcing you to mingle. And then and then you meet the person <laughs> that's like, hey, come see what I got. Like maybe we can we can trade. And uh so there was this guy, um, Dan Dibley, who would later go on to be like my, you know, my volleyball coach in high school. An amazing coach. Now he's actually like a radio personality on the Bay Area sports radio station. He's just hilarious. And but back then he was no. working for, I think Adidas. And so he had the hookup on all this fresh uh-huh. Adidas gear. And like, I just remember like oh, I was shit. probably like ten or eleven <laughs> and. There was these pair of warm-ups, you know, like track pants. And I don't know if you remember, but like when warm-ups first hit, like that shit was so tight. Like I was a sweatpant kid and then I saw people wearing warm-ups and I was like, what? Like (laughs) I got to get some of those. And so he had, there was this pair of Adidas warm-ups and uh, they were like five sizes too big for me, but I still wanted them. And so I went up to him and he like ended up, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't have any, you know, I'm 11. Like, what do I have that this guy would be interested in trading for? (laughs) <laughs> uh, but he just gave them to me. Yeah. He just gave them to me. I remember, um, you know, Monday at school rocking them and just like, just fitted in my oversized warmups, you know, those were tight. Like, Shout out Dan Dibley. I was yeah. feeling glorious. <laughs> Shout out Dan Dibley. Thank you for the Adidas for track sure. fans of my dreams. I love it, man. I, uh, that is so cool. And, uh, on that note, we we do clothing swaps down here. That's like how most of us awesome. like trade clothes around because, you know, we don't really have as much access to clothes and 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 people don't really feel the need <laughs> yeah, as much down as much here. A, not as much of a need to wear stuff. clothes in Costa Rica, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? 
I'll spend yeah. most of the day in my bikini. Like, that's wonderful. That's the life I always ask for, you know? But um, the simplicity of being in this, in this climate, in this culture, like, it's felt through the connection to the earth and through the connection to, I don't know, other people and not just not needing so much stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's what we do. We have clothing swaps. I love that you – I like the way that they did it, though, where it makes you, like, go find the person. We literally just get a bunch of women together and, like, pile clothes mm-hmm. up and, like, it's a free-for-all. <laughs> and it's fun. And it, it, it just cuts down on crap, you know? Like, so much of, of the Velvet Arsenal for me is just trying to make less garbage, you know? Trying to have less impact on, on the earth and – feel like you've been doing that for a while then sounds like you're yeah your, your mom got you into totally. that shit when you're yeah, young that's good that's good i like it of, of mm-hmm. fish and yeah. economy. but we we uh of course. yeah i mean i think that like even today like most of the stuff I, I think i'm either like a crossroads guy or i'll go to marshall's and get like the five dollar tees you know like i've never really yeah been able to like I guess both both because of my own budget, but also like it's been really hard for me to countenance spending a ton of money on clothes. Like when I hear about people buying like seven thousand dollars Supreme shirts, you know, I'm like, there's something about that that just doesn't compute for oh me because I'm like, man, I, I know I'm gonna get like some dirt on it or right. you know, I love dressing up nice and I have my stuff, but to me, there's almost there's there's a real beauty to finding something that that is like a nice secondhand article there's already story behind it and mm-hmm. you know oh yeah the story thank you you took the word out of my mouth like i think i'm like such a, a romantic at heart that like when i find something in a in a secondhand store i start to create a story for it maybe that doesn't even exist who knows but it's lived a whole life before you you know there's something beautiful and and so much more interesting to something that isn't new. You know, yeah. I love old lamps and old couches and all these things, you know, like it's so cool. And, and, and if a friend gives you a t-shirt, it's like got so much more meaning to it than to go and purchase it, you know? Yeah, I mean the, the And uh, yeah, that's sort of driven me yeah, for a while. Yeah, I mean the whole like, uh, what is it? Like the Craigslist free economy or like one of the things I love about the Bay Area is that <laughs> there is such a secondhand network and... I mean, I remember li- when I lived in the city, I furnished a couple houses just off of, of furniture I found on the on the street, and um, I had a roommate. Oh my god! Shout out Abby. <laughs> totally. She would like she that was like her side hustle when we were living in Oakland together. She would like find stuff on the street or find stuff on Craigslist, and then like reupholster and paint it, and then like sell it and just upcycle it. And I, I love think that. that. Like we have so much. Like I remember. When I lived at, when I was in co- college for my first couple of years, I was down in Santa Barbara and in Isla Vista. And uh, I remember the last day of school was like this crazy, it was like this super weird demonstration of materialism and capitalism because it was like, basically you had all these really rich kids in school that would be moving out of their house. And, you know, this was totally new to me, but they would just put all their stuff on the street because their parents would buy them completely new set of items for the new house. So like for me, like I'm just would walk down the street and it was like Christmas. It's like, Oh, 60 inch TV. Oh, computer like monitor. Oh, like, like new, uh, like basically new toaster oven. And like, 
it really drove home to me like we have so much shit that we've made. Like if we just stopped producing appliances, so we much would all shit. have like five of them still. Like we'd all have more than enough. So I love, you know, you know, I tend to try to go first to like Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or like, you know, anytime I'm thinking about getting something, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to find one that has a story. So like I love haggling. So I think the haggle mm-hmm. is a lost art in our society. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, did you know that in Puerto Viejo, where we mm. met, there's actually a trade market, and that's the point of it. They're trying to bring back that's the awesome. art of negotiation. So <clears throat> the idea is that everybody brings things. Maybe I have herbs that I've dried, and I can bring them there, and I can trade you for uh, some jewelry that you've made or something like that. And the idea is that it's sort of like been this this thing that was so normal, and in many cultures is still very normal to negotiate, but... Uh, We've we've kind of lost touch with that over our you know sort of instant gratification sort of a way we purchase things you know so I think that's a really cool a really cool yeah, I mean, thing I, that that's happening yeah I think in it's like Viejo Lim- it's it's a really in Costa Rica this is just me playing like armchair historian but I feel like in the like <laughs> you know in in olden times there was almost this inherent. <laughs> incentive to develop your ability to socialize with others like if you could develop your own charisma or your own Mm -hmm. you know just uh, agreeableness you're going to get a better rate when you go to market and that's like built into every facet of life Mm -hmm. and the way that we've been moving economically and and societally like it's we're moving in the opposite direction especially after these last couple years where it's just increasing mm-hmm. pressure and incentives mm-hmm. for people to be isolated, to be, you know, one click transactions, taking the personality out of it. I think a lot of people's yep. critiques of capitalism and, and justly so are levied against, you know, this this kind of primal sense of wrongness with the way that we're doing business. And I think that a lot of that is this kind of mm-hmm. new corporate culture that is like maximization for maximization's sake, the gross greed. Uh, but, but that some of these like older kind of traditional capitalist uh, arrangements can be really beneficial and they can be really beautiful. They can be really human in, you know, something like, a, you know, when you're trying to, you know, maybe the seller's got a certain price and I've got a certain price and we have to have this negotiation process, uh, where we both get to walk away feeling like we, you know, like we had a successful arrangement and yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> there's a won. sense of we cooperation there that, yeah. Um, <clears throat> that I think is what made the system so attractive in the first place, uh, you know, for people to interact. Right. I definitely think in, in capitalism is freedom. You know what I mean? That for sure that there's a, there's that aspect to it. I, I went through a phase when I was younger of reading tons of like nihilistic and communist literature and kind of getting into this like idea of equality in that way. But <clears throat> you start to see what actually happens when human beings get a hold of these theories. And that's not, that's not what plays out in reality. So I really believe that like, you know, our freedom is really tied to entrepreneurial spirit, you know, freedom, like the classic American dream. It's not working for somebody. It's like the ability to, to start your own thing and to have the, the freedom that, I mean, obviously being an entrepreneur is a hell of a lot of work, but really you are at the end of the day, 
creating what you want to create instead of, you know, just working for someone. So I think especially in the last couple of years, I've really seen my own, I've had a change, a shift in my own self in, in being like, okay, capitalism is good. It's just being abused and we don't need it to make so much garbage. Like coming back to my brand, that's like exactly what has disturbed me so much. I totally used to be that kind of shopper that would go to the mall and buy 10 new pieces of cheap clothing. It's like, that's so wasteful. That's so abusive. If we can kind of get past all of that kind of those kind of habits, you know, just clicking and buying things on Amazon, super easy. It's too easy almost, you know, (laughs) what can we do to be a little bit more conscious about our consumption? That's, that's the question I beg to ask in, in all of our purchases. Can we be a little bit more conscious where we're spending our money? At the end of the day, our, our money is our real vote, you know? Like, they don't... I don't even know if democracy's real anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm I mean, so jaded. Like, I'm so jaded at this point, you Has know? it ever like, been? You know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even... I don't trust it, to be honest. But what I know is that where I spend my money makes a difference. And that, like, if I buy something from my friend's soap company instead of going to buy a soap at the, gro- right. at the drugstore, that means something. You know, like that's a that's a meaningful purchase that's supporting a real person. And I mean, if we can do that as much as possible, of course, yes, I like need safety pins to mm-hmm. tag all my stuff. I buy them off of Amazon because I want specific safety pins. OK, yeah, I get it. Like those kinds of things. Like I make those allowances for myself. But when you can, yeah, like support a real person and and support well, someone who's that's... making something and. And if we can get back to like more control of our, our, our economies and keeping them smaller and having yeah. our own capitalism on our terms instead of having these huge oligarchical control systems. Well, you hit the in you place. hit the nail on the head. You hit I think the nail that's, on the, head that's there. the way like, forward. Yeah, at least in, in and I've we had the really interesting series of debates over the Christmas break with me and my cousin and my brother. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I come comes down to it for me is this argument of like centralized authority versus like a more uh, localized dispersed mm. um, system, you know, at the risk of sounding, you know, the, the L word that everyone's yeah. afraid of libertarian. Uh, I do see like, yeah. <laughs> you know, especially as we look at our, at this country that we're living in where like, you know, the amount of stuff that we actually make, like what do we actually produce as an, as a nation? Um, and, there's not a lot of manufacturing going here anymore, and there's very there's a lot of reasons for that, and a lot of can attest a lot to the system that we just described. But I think that you know, as I'm thinking about myself, like what's my legacy going to be? What am I trying to give to the world? What can I still mm-hmm. do and have like a viable, uh, you know, approaching middle class life, whatever that means? I don't even know if that's a, a thing anymore, but. Uh, you know, the more that I have right. done the research and gotten into it, the more that I've realized that I that one thing that America still does really well is create content and entertainment and uh, this kind of digital landscape. And, of course, like any system, there's a lot of, you know, when you democratize something as, as, as we have with, with the content world, there's a lot of mediocrity. It's a big, wide open door. There's a lot of stuff out there that is you know, tabloid or junk food or, Mm. you know, processed media. And so, Mm. you know, one of the intentions I've set recently that, you know, that is, you know, hopefully every aspect of the Hobart media empire that I'm trying to build, I want to be like the hole in the wall, 
you know, organic, natural food store of content so that, you know, when people are listening, it's not right. like the binge, listen, give up your life on healthy habits. Like, I do think that this stuff is fucking awesome. I do think that, like, the fact that we're all mm-hmm. connecting, able to connect in this digital space, it isn't inherently bad, but it is out of balance. And mm. so it is something that I love mm-hmm. to do. I love having these conversations. I love making funny shit and you know just i'm still developing so much but that is one of the deep intentions is like i really want whatever my gift is to be good for people and that takes a lot of um, yes i think just a lot of thought forethought and a lot of like self-critique and it's it's kind of a eternal Mm -hmm. system of experimentation and uh you know, and we all have to kind of find our own way, mm. but I do think that that you know the the ideal model, and this is kind of getting back around to your comment that that got me started on this train or this tangent. You know, I do think the ideal model is that we can try to incentivize the most amount of people to actually follow their creative dream and be an entrepreneur if, if that's their dream mm. you know there's always we're always going to need scientists we're always going to need doctors we're always going to need but i think that the entrepreneur mm-hmm. container for that creative energy you know the more people we can empower to where you like meet someone and they're like yeah i'm doing the thing that i'm excited about that's the how we get the most healthy yeah you know it, yeah you know I, I think of like the economy as needing to be a lot more of these like uh individualized in a community but like you know small businesses that are in a smaller ecosystem rather than these large centralized warehouse empire uh systems that are just kind of extracting wealth and exploiting people and polluting man i was in vegas for uh for about five weeks my friends live in north vegas i was visiting them i stayed there in the summer and we got lost in oh, the Amazon warehouse area. So they've taken, like, this whole huge section of the desert, and they're just building mad warehouses. And I swear to God, it was the creepiest shit. It felt like we were in, like, some yeah. weird sci-fi movie where, like, that's what the future looks like. And I'm like, we don't want this. Oh, yeah. Like, trust me, guys. We don't want yeah, we this. We drove through a server, <laughs> not couple good. server like, farms this, this, this Christmas power. just going through the back yeah, of, of California. So weird. It's some dystopian shit. If you see one of those mm-hmm. complexes, you're like, you're like, where are Super the killer dystopian. drones? They're definitely out there, you know? <laughs> right. They're definitely out there. And I think, like you said, like the, the way to combat this is like coming back to our hearts and like, what does our spirit really want? What does our spirit really need? Not getting caught up in like, you know, too much, too much bullshit. And, and coming back to, like you said, I like how you said junk food, like a uh, junk food media everything that we that we experience is our diet whether it be our the food that we put in or the the media that we put in or the air that we breathe it's all our diet you know and if if you're if you're filling yourself up with junk food media then that's affecting your brain in such a way just the way that you know too much candy affects your right. body you know you go and get no, diabetes it's, it's a, <laughs> you know like your cognitive diet in your I brain don't finding, put that shit in there Let's... as we continue to run this mm-hmm. like massive experiment with no control group we're like seeing just how much especially after this mm-hmm. last couple of years like we all have friends who like just keep msnbc on in their living room or like you know who, who have dove in too deep into any particular 
political narrative myself i fell victim to this too like doesn't you know but you see how sick people get like they're so scared they're so worried i you know i mm-hmm. i got into even just a, a podcast that to me made so much sense all the answers this guy i was like skeptical because i agreed with the guy so much and but like yeah. i even still i <laughs> fell victim to it even being aware of that dynamic and i remember at one point I, you know i would just like rant to my brother and he was like dude like i agree with you like everything you're saying is sound but i'm also seeing you make life harder for yourself because you're so identified with these with this position and with these Mm -hmm. ideas and it's making it harder for you to connect with people and i had to take a step back and be like whoa like he's right like i'm i'm getting triggered i'm giving all this emotional weight to certain things that like don't even really affect my life Mm -hmm. i'm holding the position because it's symbolic of a larger thing and so you know Mm -hmm. when i you know part of going and doing my month in costa rica i did like a digital detox and didn't listen to any podcasts or any of that stuff and i was much happier during that time and and since coming back Mm -hmm. it's been a lot more I've been able to be a lot more intentional about when I do want to dive into that world and I kind of almost like ask myself like this might get Mm -hmm. you angry like is this a good time to get angry maybe you you know yeah and (laughs) and sometimes the answer is yes and I'm like yeah (laughs) yeah let's get angry you know but like but how long can you live in that space before you start to have like some real mental health oh. issues come up. And I think that we haven't yet defined totally. really like what good digital hygiene looks like. Um, so, you know, everyone's trying to figure that yeah. balance out for themselves. And, you know, that's why I think these kind of communities are so important in the ways that we have these conversations, uh, you know, cause we are all addicted Absolutely. to this shit. Like the singularities here, we're already in it. Yeah. Uh, and so, Oof. We just got to figure out, like, you know, how can I be healthy in this in this new landscape? And it sounds like that's kind of what some of yeah. your work is. Have you experienced? Have you had anybody come into your program that's that is kind of like digitally sick? Uh, well, the first week that I that that's what I that's the first thing that we do. It's like a digital detox. So I'm like, you go through your feed and you unfollow people that make you feel shitty, man. Everybody's doing it. I mean, I used to work for a bikini brand, so my <laughs> whole feed was beautiful women in bikinis and that's fine. I feel great about my body and myself, but that's just not what I need to be putting into my mind all the time. Likewise, if it's just all a bunch of hot guys and I'm like, Ooh, yeah, you know, like what, what good is that? What value is that bringing in my life? Likewise, a whole bunch of news, even if it's the news that of the, you know, good quality, journalism that I ascribe to it's like all of that what are you putting in your mind so first things first unfollow 20 accounts that like start coming up in you know just do that unfollow people who are you know it's not it's not in cohesion with with making you in your highest self so now most of my most of what I follow are, you know, spiritual teachers or, you know, activism that is important to me that I know what's going on in that realm. And, but not too much because there's a huge part of me that's like, I'm an Aquarius. I'm very like, so, uh, social justice is super important to me. And, and, you know, I was, I was protesting police brutality a decade ago, you know, like, and so last year when everything started to go down, I was really in a hole about, you know, how, 
things were and and how things how how do we make things better how do we even begin to chip away at this huge systemic problem and all of the 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 voids and the people that get, fall through the cracks in these systems and the reality is that they're not made to support everybody you know and and you can't i can't attach my 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 feelings of of goodness to in the world to to how these things all are we just have to be able to support each other like you said we create communities that we want to be a part of you know like and going back to like touch something on something that you were saying before i think that like a beautiful way to fix like policing problems and stuff is to have community policing you know if you're not from that community you don't get to police it you you care about if you if you're in a community that you care about that's a beautiful way to make sure that you're not abusing the people that are a part of that, you know, and that can go on. I can tap into so many different realms, you know. So, yes, <laughs> go on a detox of Instagram. Put things out of your feed that are that are not uh, supporting where you want to be, you know, and allow that allow space in your life where that's just not a part put your fucking phone down at dinner yo don't bring that don't even bring it i saw these kids this was cool when i was still serving a few years ago they were young too they were like in their 20s and they put all their phones in the middle of the table and the first person who picked up their phone had to had to pay the bill yeah that's awesome i love that i'm like yes guys like this is cool that's like be present you know i feel like that's so much of where I'm trying to get in myself and I'm on Instagram way more than I should be. I run two online businesses. So it's like a lot, but it's so always kind of coming back to mitigating like, whoo, what space am I at with this, with this usage here, but being present with the people that you love, being present in nature, being present just on a walk or with your dog or whatever means to you to be present, like coming back to that, just be present with yourself and with your breathing a couple times a day, you know, check in. That's, that's how we start to like heal our mind yeah. at least you know it's the beginning sure. stepping off point yeah I, so. I think that uh, mm-hmm. the I like the idea of looking at like you said this and it stuck out to me like not just looking at the things that you think are healthy or unhealthy when you're like doing your detox but even just look at like the things that are just compelling like, oh, I've listened to like five hours of this mm. guy's voice for the la- in like the last week or two. Like, not saying that's bad, but just being aware of like, hey, I've do- I've I dove pretty deep into this. Like, like what is that? How is that? Uh, I got deep. <laughs> you know that variable affecting my mental landscape, and maybe it's super positive, but it's also just good to be aware of yeah. it so that you can you know have intention when you're bringing it in. And I've one thing that I like to do is like. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been ever, ever since I got back from Costa Rica, I've been like waking up and then immediately doing the hour of yoga, like out of bed, like, you know, and I don't turn my phone on. You know, I have yes. my playlist saved offline, so I don't have to like because I put it in airplane mode when I go to bed every night. So like uh, mm-hmm. so I don't turn always, it on. I do an hour important. of yoga <laughs> then I go turn on the sauna and then like I actually do this thing where I'll turn the phone on then i go turn on the sauna so it's got like time to like load everything all the notifications can happen while i'm out of the room and then i can come back you know because that little pain i love that can be like a little like nick in the heart or a little jolt of anxiety or dopamine or it's like you're giving Uh yourself this hit 
of, of whatever uh-huh. neurotransmitter the little tone makes. And I like to have to like give myself a little more gentle yeah. of like a connecting. And then I come back and then I have like 10, 20 minutes to like look through that stuff before I go do my sauna and just that kind of gentleness you know, I know some people that still wake up to the like, like, and I'm like, how can that, how do you start your day that way? That seems like a terrible way to start your day. No, dude, I am like a grumpy morning person. So I have done like, traditionally speaking, I like to think I'm not grumpy anymore. I'm just slow to wake up. So I have this, this set up for myself too. Like I, I, I'm always on airplane mode, but somehow notifications seem to still it come doesn't through. doesn't always turn off the Wi-Fi. I don't know. But I won't touch my... Okay, 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 noted. But I meditate in the morning. I roll out of bed, and I meditate right away. And just for the same reason, the gentleness. Like you said, I love the, how you put that. Like, it's it needs to be a gentle way to, like, bring yourself... There's this very special space between sleep and awake, and when you just wake up, it's there. You're in it. And you have the choice to like be with that or to go right into this. Like, do you, is that what you want? Is that what you, how you want your life to be set up? You know, it's so important to, to be with yourself in these moments. And they say also while you're falling asleep. So the healthiest way is to have like an hour when you wake up and an hour before you go to bed without touching the phone. And yeah, so my morning routine is important to me now too. Like so important. And then I start to think, am I now am I super attached to my morning routine? Like, <laughs> is this a crutch too? Like, it just well, goes deep, I mean, right? Like, <laughs> we all got to have our just vices. Being so aware, yeah. aware of yourself, aware of your totally. If your vice yeah. is morning meditation, yeah. I'll, t- I'll take but, that. But I'll good take. to, I think it is <laughs> from my days of really nice. Like, when we talk about being aware or like you know having those intentions. Um, you know, I think the tendency is for us to think like in the negative sense, like, oh, my God, I have this attachment to meditation in the morning. But I think also by looking at that, it kind of rewires what attachment means, like because you're like, oh, I have a positive attachment here. So it doesn't necessarily mm. have to be a bad thing. So like when I do notice one that I want to change, it doesn't immediately have to go to a negative place. You know, like so many of us who are caught up in cycles of addiction the hardest thing is not beating ourselves up and it's really hard to change if you have so much like emotional mm-hmm. darkness around it. It all, you know, it's like attack that attachment is connected to the, like, you know, to the dark, you know, the darkness inside. Like I definitely, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'll share on here. I'm like a pretty habitual Kratom user. I don't know if you've ever experimented with that stuff, but I love it with my coffee. I have it almost every day. I've, you know, started talking about it like an addiction because it is, you know, I, I take breaks, you know, but it is this like euphoric thing that I, I would, I love how it feels. It's this leaf from Southeast Asia that's like been used traditionally for thousands of years. It's in the coffee family and it, um, it binds to the opioid receptors. So it has an effect that's similar to opioids, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's allegedly not like it's not like physically addicting in a sense. I do feel <laughs> withdrawals when I take breaks, but it's like I I can also just take a break and I'm fine. That being said, like I enjoy it and it's mm-hmm. like a really a way, you know, it does give us a, a feeling of euphoria. So 
Um, but I have been talking about it as this addiction, yeah. and like, trying to be aware of like what sort of tags emotionally I put on that. And this morning I was sitting and thinking mm-hmm. about it, and I was like, what would it look like? You know, I'm aware that I'm doing it a lot, and I've like started to take a look at like what the cost is of that. But I know I'm going to do it today. Mm-hmm. I'm going into this narrative of it being like a shameful yeah. act. <laughs> <laughs> starting to beat myself up so like what if i can just like mm-hmm. honor this plant and like try to you know i know i'm gonna do it so like that question's been answered so like let's make it a joyful thing and i can you know so I, today i took a second i looked at it i like did a little prayer yes yeah i was like thank you you're about like, to give hi. me this good feeling yes yes intention um, yes you know, <laughs> yes and like attaching shame and guilt to anything is is not what, how we want to go about it, you know. If you want to eat a piece of cake, but you're already feeling guilty right. about it, you're not actually enjoying that piece of cake. Just fucking enjoy the cake. Eat the cake. Leave the guilt behind you, you know. Enjoy that moment. I bet Coming back to presence and intention, you know. Just, like, do what you want to do. Do it with moderation. Do it with consciousness. And do it with intention. And if it's, oh, it's okay. Okay, we don't have to like live in a puritanical <laughs> yeah, sure. way with ourselves, you know. Like, we we have, we don't have to be like monks, you know. I admire our monks. I've always you know, been a so fan much, of like the monks. fat Buddha, you know. Like that's the path that I've always liked. He looks happier to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that's the one with good luck. Yeah. You know, like totally. I remember all the time. when I was in Costa Rica, you know, uh, and I was staying at the retreat center in Arenal, like the head of it is this this guy Nico who I have also had on the podcast and I show up and I had talked to him on the phone it's you know I'm picturing this like super fit you know 50 year old dude with a ripped six pack you know bald like you know one of those like yogi (laughs) dudes you know ascetic and I get there and he's like you know chunky dude who smokes cigarettes all the time and he's just kind of like and I'm like, oh, you're my, yeah, you're my it. kind of spiritual guy, you know, like, cause he was like a being of pure love right. and, and like, was so kind and so just supportive and open. And we did a lot of good healing together. And part of it was like, oh, you're not like totally putting on airs. Like you, this is you. I can see where your shadow begins. Right. Cause you're not trying to hide it from me. You're not like pretending yes. you're super healthy and then sneaking uh-huh. a cigarette out back. You're like sitting out front and you got your gut hanging out and you're you know but he like knew who he was and he loved himself and that is such a powerful thing to meet in someone oh i love that and like what's more important why can't we not just be authentic like when it comes to these behaviors that we're trying to hide like again it's going to like shame narrative and that's that's not fun for anybody and everybody has vices everybody has things that we're more or less proud of Ooh, see that blue sky and uh yeah rotating light light switch light switch (laughs) and uh, i remember when i was in yoga school we actually talked about this like don't one of my one of the yoga teachers was like do not ever go up to a yoga teacher that you see having a beer having a beer at a bar and give them shit for it like let them be a person like and and is it is it because we we choose to put people up on a pedestal sometimes maybe and 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 then see them doing something human interferes with our perception of what we've created they are you know maybe maybe that's what it is it's like are are we are we making people 
into something that's not even human and our expectations for them. It goes back, like, I love how what you were saying about attachment like that. Like, you know, we just created oh, yeah. these things. And we can uncreate them. We can uncreate them, too. <laughs> Let's let everybody be who they are. That's, that's, the, uh, that's how we all get to live in harmony. Here. Without our without yeah. our projections. <laughs> What's my, happening? What's happening? I see. Balancing. See if I can get some pull. Okay. So you learn you learn uh you learn by doing. You know this new microphone stand is on an arm. Of course. Oh, I'm back. Um. It's a wiggly arm too. It's a bit of a wiggly arm. <laughs> the fulcrum. Thank you for that usage of fulcrum. <laughs> much respect. Much respect. <laughs> well, yeah, I feel you. The mm -hmm. the. No. Uh, oh. I think it's a very puritanical need to have our spiritual figures be, you know, have like the semblance of being like fully enlightened or a perfect human or, um, yeah, and perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, I mean, at least for me, maybe it's like coming from, uh, like a history of having, of trauma. One of the things that I've learned is that like, Mm -hmm. I feel a lot safer around other people that have gone, like, that are aware of their trauma and have gone through their pain. Like, when you can see mm -hmm. that someone's, like, working through it, uh, it makes me feel safer, you know? So when I see a, a spiritual leader and it's like, oh, mm -hmm. you're, you're not perfect, now I can show you my warts and my scars, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's ever, it makes everybody more comfortable, right? And I remember, like, at the beginning of 2021 when I was actually approached by another woman who asked me to be a coach with her, I thought, like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not ready for that yet. I need to be, like, this person. I need to be, like, this wise old woman, you know, X, Y, Z. And then, and then I prayed about it, and I sat with myself, and uh, the message that I received was that I will be that woman one day, and when I'm there... I'll be in a much different place to to help people in a different way. But as I am now, I'm still in a place to help people, even exactly as I am. No matter, you know, with all my flaws and all my scars, and all my inabilities and my disorganizations and all of these things that I perceive as flaws to someone else, they perceive that as just being my, me, as being the authentic version of myself. I can still provide wisdom I, I've still learned lessons I still have something to teach as we all do we all have medicine to share you know and and tapping into that aspect has just helped me to feel like freedom and feel like I could step into this role uh, as a teacher um, I put all my own ideas of of bullshit and and my own <laughs> my own inadequacies behind me yeah you know? like Fuck that shit. <laughs> no, we all, we all have, have that it. shit. We all have that shit. <laughs> what, what was the process like for you to become a coach? Like, how did what did that? How did that 
situation evolve? Well, I guess, I mean, just accepting myself as I was, which was obviously, it sounds, it's always so flowery. I, I think about these things all the time, these like phrases that we use like that, like just accept yourself. Like, <laughs> accept yourself years, right now. <laughs> decades <laughs> of a process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I think like when I really started to like, so I grew up in a super Christian home, came with a, because of that, came with a very moral moral uh and slightly self-loathing ideology like i used to have dreams that satan was chasing me around like you know i I made a post recently on my instagram was like saying i completely reject the idea of being born a sinner you know i true i truly believe that we're all whole as we are even in our brokenness we're whole you know um so accepting that within myself has been a process uh of many years and starting to tap back into my own uh, indigenous heritage on my dad's side. He's Métis, and that's like French and native mix on, in Canada. And um, I actually went to Standing Rock uh, a few years ago, and I don't know what it was that drove me there. It was my little protester inside of me being like, I'm going to stand in solidarity for the water, you know? So I get there, and the first thing I see as I'm driving into this camp says, we are not protesters, we are protectors. And I swear to God, that shift, that week being there, just like everything changed inside of me. I had like a, a different perception sitting with elders around a fire and listening to like true wisdom and, and understanding true community and unity in that way. That was like my first shift. You know, people are like, oh, what, what was this? Like, what, what did your awakening look like or something like that? I'm like, there's like a million steps that, you know, shift. I don't think anything's like you're climbing up the stairs. It's like you're going on this path that goes like this and goes like that, twist turns, all these things. But that was my first understanding of, like, my ancient self. I know that sounds kind of weird, maybe, but I really think that we all have been brought to this earth with a mission, and uh, it becomes about remembering what that mission is. So what are these little things that come into our path that, like, start to be like... Maybe go this way. Maybe go this way. And when you can start to listen to your intuition, then those little that little voice gets louder because you're actually listening to it, and you're brought into, uh, I don't know, more more um, sovereignty. You know, more more autonomy with yourself. So there was that. Um, and like I said, this woman kind of reached out to me, and it turned out that she was like trying to get me to. Uh, sell you know get people onto this like big programs i don't know like (laughs) sort of like a pyramid scheme marketing thing but you know it's so much bullshit i tried it for about two weeks and then i hated it but just her reaching out to me and saying hey what what you're doing right now is already helping people like you're whatever you're doing with your with your following with how you're you know bringing content into the world is already providing value i was like oh Okay, like I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need this. I don't need Beachbody. <laughs> but I can make my own shit, you know, like that is actually going to help people. So um, last year was a crazy year of ups and downs for me. I left Canada because I highly disagree with everything that's going on there. And it's been a progression of like moving. I was in Michigan, then I was in Vegas, I went to Salt Lake City, and then was guided to come back to Costa Rica and I've lived all over Costa Rica since coming back here and all of these like little mini missions have led up to 
me finding my bigger mission and me coming into my purpose as uh, a woman who can help other women to empower themselves and, and, and me finding my sovereign path, which looks like to me, you know, finding community, being able to grow my own food, which you can all over Costa Rica, and that's pretty magical. It's important. Um, and uh, being at peace with myself, which I think I finally am. I dealt with a lot of grief through the pandemic, through 2020. I, um, I lost a friend to suicide. I went through a terrible breakup. I went through a miscarriage. These were all things that are like super formative now for me and who I, who I am and who I've become and um, finding the tools to get me through those hardships have given, has empowered me to be able to share those things. Yeah, no, those, I mean. long-winded way of saying. <laughs> I love, especially those, those things you just well, kind of put at the end there, which, you know, are kind of like the, I feel like they're the, the, the tides that would make the rigid post snap, but make the reed bend, you know, like, uh, thinking about loss mm. and all you, mm. know, you just kind of outline these three fundamental types of loss mm. and you know i i i mm. just went through that with like you know i met this girl a couple of weeks ago and we uh we got really deep super fast and it like immediately brought up so much mm. fear and pain and but mm. as a function i guess of a lot of the work like even as i was watching like this thing crash and burn, you know, <laughs> like I was aware of like, Oh shit. Like this is really hard. And this is bringing up all this deep pain, but it's bringing up all this deep pain. Like one way of looking at this would be, this was, this is such a bad thing that happened to me. I like got my heart broken. This is hard. This sucks. But like, I decided, I, I started looking at it. Like I'm at the gym right now. Like this is, what a beautiful opportunity with this person who is really sweet and kind and like I have this opportunity to actually work on some of these things that uh you know even having such a big like I cried more in a week mm. than I think I have in like 10 years you know just because I had this intense experience with yeah. this person and it, uh -huh. like that's beautiful like that you know that whole experience Ugh. really to me felt like something that I get to carry around, you know, in my mind because I actually was able to be exactly who I wanted to be throughout the process. I still fucked up. I still said yes. stupid shit and yes. broke the traditional conventions of how you're supposed to like be in the courtship ceremony. But I also had so much self-love and joy mm -hmm. throughout it that like, you know, when I look back on it, like I don't have a negative connotation with the experience it was really positive and it, I really like left it feeling even more stoked about who I am and the way that I what I bring to the table what I have to contribute the gifts that I have to give and so you know I'm thinking about like your things I watched your face as you said those you know the those three types of loss and you weren't like scrunched up in pain as you're saying it you mm -hmm. seem to open up even more and I think that that's you know it made me think of like you know, getting a tattoo, you sit through like a couple hours of, of like this mm -hmm. acute pain and you also are left with a, this beautiful piece of art that changes your skin and changes your, your body. And exactly. And, mm -hmm. and pain reminds us that we're alive, right? It's like part of our human experience. And even though it might 
feel like a, a negative part of our human experience. It always, always is a way for us to grow and to learn. And um, like in, in, in the context of romantic relationships, it's such a mirror for us, you know, it's such a way to, to see ourselves in a, you know, that we can't see just on our own. You know, it's so important to have these reflections of relationship to teach us about ourselves. And, and I'm sure there's lessons that you've taken from that mm -hmm. experience that have changed you right and and that you're going to bring into the next relationship and you're going to be like i i know that i can do this in a different way i know i do this I really I'm good probably fuck it I up again i'm alive <laughs> i'm fucking alive oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah but that's what we do we fuck things up but it's all like you yep. come back to your humility mm -hmm. say you fucked it up and, try and to maybe fix someday it. You, you meet <laughs> that person okay. maybe honest, someday you meet that person where like the fuck up doesn't really matter to them you know <laughs> exactly or yeah, they love right. you and they'll exactly. be like okay you're allowed to fuck up it's that you're allowed you're allowed you're, i love you anyway mm -hmm. don't do it like that yeah, again or they, please. or they can just laugh at you or laugh laugh with you or about you, know. It, you know like that's i'm finding more and more that yeah like humor is kind of what i always want to be in like in any situation and like so for like partnership, oh. it's like, are you someone yes, that like will make you. me laugh pretty <laughs> often? Or are you someone that I at least, I can make myself laugh. Can you laugh with me? You know, like, like that's, you know, let's. Exactly. Yeah, like, Humor is, you know, that is you know, <laughs> everything. I'm, I'm a huge fan of like really dark humor, really offensive comedy. Like I, especially after these last couple of years uh -huh. is like the, I felt the authoritarianism kind of leach into everything. Like my own yeah. act, I guess, internally of rebellion mm -hmm. as I've just like d dove deep into these like super offensive podcasts and comedies. And it's the shit that you should like, nobody should be saying this shit, but like it, gets, I love it, it. Like, opens me up. And <laughs> one thing that, I, that when I see the, you know, the people that are like, cancel these people, shut them down, take away their voice. Like. Uh, one of the areas that I see where there's like this miscommunication is that like, like comedy is a major coping mechanism has been throughout the ages. And the more fucked up the situation, uh, the more fucked up so the humor ha is, you know, like for me, I feel safe when I can be in env an environment yes. where that kind of, where we can joke about the fucked up stuff. Cause we've been through fucked up stuff. It makes it easier to like cope yeah. with and to live with. And you look at these comedians and they all have like really yeah. messed up like histories, you know? And like, so to see that is like, oh no, this is all an act of love. Like yeah. laughing about something doesn't mean that you're, you're promoting hate at all. It's more like, yeah, it's a celebration. Oh my God. I, I think it's the opposite, honestly. Like it's, it's a celebration of the fact that life's not perfect and like we can take these things and, and make them funny. Yeah. I think cancel culture is like the antithesis mm -hmm. of humor and the antithesis of forgiveness. Like, you know, like can we not, you know, allow people to, to, to say yeah. things that are, oh man, I, Dave Chappelle's like one of my favorite comedians and they tried to cancel like, him. I was luck. like, get do it. out of here. <laughs> and then you watch his special. I know, right? It's not going to happen. And you watch that special, mm -hmm. and I think it's crafted with so much love and mm -hmm. so much good intention. And, you know, he pokes fun at himself as being, like, a homophobe, obviously, because that's what people want to call him. And it, it, it's just like a... 
I don't know. It's a statement into an oversensitive culture that we've kind of come into right now. And I don't think it's helping anybody. You know, it's making people too serious. It's like laughter is the best medicine. I got a big ass laugh. I got a big goose honk laugh. (laughs) We like to think that we're no longer attached to our puritanical roots in this country. But I think if you've been paying attention for the last couple of years, like, we're Puritan but as we fuck are. here. We've changed the names of our God and the names of our, you know, yeah. but, but people are still like, no dancing. You know, like we haven't gotten much farther from that. And there's something to laugh out about that. Like, <laughs> totally. Like I, even, <laughs> totally. even given that, you know, despite yeah. my tendency to want to be like, uh, you know, critical or sarcastic when I'm talking about these people, like it's important to remember that everybody is doing the best that they think they can be doing and everybody is trying to promote some semblance of love i think that Mm. even the people that maybe are a little confused about the intentions uh, of the characters that they're critiquing like they're doing what Mm -hmm. they think is the best way to try to resist whatever the empire is in their mind you know so it doesn't mean that right we necessarily have to buy into those narratives or that we have to you know even agree but but i think being able to you know bring that compassion even in that context i'm speaking you know my own actions may be different it's harder to like actually Mm. live that out but but i do think that like you know yeah Yeah. adopting that attitude of like hey there's like room at the table when you're ready to come sit down like there's a space for you we we're waiting with open arms to welcome you in so we can all laugh together and until then like all the love you know i got to put up my boundaries when people are when it's starting to affect me and hurt me, that can be really difficult. But um, the more that we can remain, mm-hmm. you know, open-hearted through all this, and you know, like I had this thought, and getting back to when we were talking about the, you know, kind of this small entrepreneurial culture, I think it really ties in with, you know, with that urge. I see it as a like a, as a mass resistance to this capitalist you know, late stage system of corporate, the corporatocracy, you're Mm -hmm. not going to win by burning their server farms and, you Mm. know, resisting them with violence. It's, it's gotta be like personal (laughs) non-cooperation. You know, it's gotta be like, you know, more and more people just abandoning Mm -hmm. the system rather than like actively tearing it down. We got to tear it down. The only thing that they can't really clamp down on is your like refusal to participate and, that's that looks you know that looks like something different for yeah. everybody but i, I, I do I think that. that's where our power still lies you can look away when the ad comes up you can you know uh do do the work to seek out um the products and and the individuals that you want to support and you know the more often that you can do that directly and mm-hmm. you know of course we can't all go live on a farm and and the rural town we still have cities and, and i think all these rules look way different when you get into a city and mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day that i can be a country boy again but, mm-hmm. uh, but we all kind of you know living in a city i gotta yeah. figure out what that means <laughs> for me because i'm sharing this space with a lot of people with a lot of different beliefs and values and there's so much room for conflict yeah, yeah. And man, you can feel everybody in a city, right? Like 
you think about like your energy field, like our energy field, when you're in a big open space, you're just, it's just you and nature. But in a city, it's like everybody's energy is on top of each other. You know, you can feel everybody a lot. And I remember, you know, being, being in my hometown during this, during 2020 and during quarantine. And I could feel like everybody's collective pain, you know, so much collective anxiety to the point where like, I didn't even realize that it wasn't my own. Like I left, I left Canada and I landed in the States and I legitimately like felt like a weight was lifted off of me. Just, I left a empty Toronto airport. There was nobody there except for just the people on my flight. Everything closed down, restaurants, cafes, everything. I land in South Carolina and it's just like normal life. People got their masks on, but they're walking around and I was like, whoa whoa like things are not normal where I came where I was like that all that that I felt wasn't mine so being conscious when you're in a city that you're gonna feel other people a lot and and it's weird because you can feel so surrounded by people but so alone in a city you know I don't really feel alone when I'm out in the country. I feel the spirits of all the creatures around me really strong, you know? Like, even if I am alone, I don't feel so much that way. In, in a forest, do you feel right. alone? Not if you That's can feel so the real, trees. Though, not I felt that immediately speak, when I... You know? <laughs> that. It's funny. You came to the States and you felt the yeah. lift. I came back from Costa Rica and felt the weight just, like, right yeah. back. Like, my like two days back and i was like damn this Go is such back a happy place like everyone's so miserable here like i can just feel it yeah yeah but, you know, can see it eh? it's, uh, that, mm-hmm. that's kind of the you know the eternal argument that me and my brother get into because i'm like yeah man it's good to pick up stakes and keep mm-hmm. moving and if, if, you know it's <laughs> such a great like reset to go set like just move to a new place or go travel to a new place and he's like you're just going to bring your problems with you. You need to like mm-hmm. stay and fix things where you are. And, you know, I think there's wisdom in both, both sides. You know, we got to figure out that balance for ourselves. But well, I finally got yeah, into yeah. to come on a, uh, like a healing pilgrimage. Well, I, ask- uh, I think like this year, maybe late summer, we're going to, we're aiming yes. for maybe Guatemala. Yeah. Ooh, there's lots of good things happening there. Like Aratlan. Yeah, there's lots of good things. And, and, and like you said, like you have to ask yourself, what, what are you doing? Are you running away from something? Are you relocating to run away you know, from something that's inside of yourself? If that's the case, then no matter where you go, it's just going to be nagging you and nagging you and feeling, feeling like you're empty because there's something inside of yourself to be confronted. For me, I was <laughs> literally running away from a system of oppression. I started looking up if I could claim refugee status in America. I don't think anymore. I'm there yet. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I know, no, no, I'm in Costa Rica now. Oh, yeah. It's much better. But like that, it was to that point, you know, that I felt oppressed. And and uh, to those who don't feel oppressed in Canada, amazing. Um, whoa. They're shutting us down. Something. You said the wrong things. Maybe my speaker. They're maybe my, we're down. being. We're Either being that or my headphones things. died. Maybe. <laughs> you talking too much, girl. <laughs> Did your your headphones die? Yeah, they died. Maybe that's a good place. We, maybe that's a good place to to leave Uh-oh. things right now. I'm just thinking that now people are probably getting like an echo of my for voice. Sure. <laughs> my may or may not be now driving them crazy because I'm coming like through your headphones. But. uh but yep. it was so lovely Sounds to talk weird. to you, and thank you so much for coming on the Bartcast. May or may not.
still there? Yeah, you're completely frozen. I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, okay. you froze too. I think you, we got too close to the truth. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> we're just getting down. on that good good. <laughs> yeah, we got too close. Too well, close. Uh, really quick before we wrap things up, can you tell people how to find you, how to interact with you? Yes. Um, what, what are the best ways to get in contact with you? Um, like I said, doing? I'm an IG ho, so I'm on there a lot. <laughs> My personal account, like that I share a lot of yoga, breath work, all that kind of stuff, is Sunkissed Renegade. So that's K-I-S-S-E-D, past tense kissed, Sunkissed Renegade. And then my brand is The Velvet Arsenal. So it's just at The Velvet Arsenal. Those are two ways you guys can get a hold of me, see what I'm doing, see what my projects. Um, and yeah, I'm actually uh, just today formulated a, a meditation, a, an 11-day meditation program that I'm going to do for a really, really low financial investment um, in about four weeks. So if anybody's interested in that, that's something cool. And yeah, that's 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 me. That's what's up. That's uh, that's how to get a hold of me. Um, I thank you so much for having me on here and for chatting with me. I feel oh, like we yeah. could probably talk for like another hour, and the headphones have made the decision. Oh yeah, we got <laughs> we got some more. Uh, I I didn't even get to get into like talking about like the whole co- coach world culture and all oh, that. Oh yeah, there's, there's a, a lot, lot to, to say. Unpack there. But, I know. Uh, that's, but that you know, we'll just have to do this again. You know, let's we'll do a round two. Let's hell do yeah. part two. I'm 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 down for that. Lovely talking well, to you. Hell yeah! Thank you so much, Joy, for coming on. Thank you for having me and uh, mad mad ups to to y'all in Oakland. Love that city. <laughs> giving yeah. giving some mad love that way. I, I I picked up I picked up Hella while I was in the Bay Area. It's still a part oh, of yeah. my lexicon. <laughs> Sure. grateful for slang from all nations <laughs> yeah, oh yeah that's the most geolocatable term right for sure <laughs> uh, thank you so much to our socal friends but mm-hmm. you'll be saying it soon too yeah right they resist <laughs> all right well much love and let's let's stay in touch and can't wait to check in next time all right all right there you have it folks 44 in the bag baby Thank you so much, Joy, for coming on. It was a joy having you. I got through this with making only one or two joy puns. Uh, but yeah, here we go. Um, go check out Joy on, on her Instagram. Check out that meditation workshop. Check out those fits. Do some upcycling. And... Uh, Stay tuned. Uh, next next episode, I'm going to have my boy Anthony Walker back on um, from a couple episodes back, Finance Friday. We're doing another video episode. Um, we're going to be talking about a children's book that he just put out uh, with his people, and that should be coming out in about a week. So more things on the horizon. 2022 is going to be a big year, baby. We're going to do it so big this year. I hope y'all are feeling excited about it. Until the next time, be well, my friends. 